I can dress nice, okay? I'm trying to look good, trying to look great. And we all, like we're all trying to be great. In this world, we constantly try to be great. In fact, I want to I wanna decide something this morning. Who is the goat? Not, not the ba goat, but the greatest of all time. Who's the greatest of all time? I got a couple of cats. Someone said Jesus. Okay, you win. Here, go home. But to my knowledge, I don't think Jesus played basketball. So who's the greatest of all time? Let's say in basketball, we'll put Michael Jordan up here, and I'm not biased in the pictures I picked, but that is LeBron James holding a purse and wearing slack shorts, so (laughs) raise your hands. If you think Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time, raise your hand, okay? If you would say LeBron James, raise your hand, stand up, walk out. You don't need to be here. (laughs) I made that joke like Twice in one month, and y'all still love it. Okay, how about this one? Greatest of all time, let's do soccer. If you got Messi in blue, raise your hand. Okay. If you got Ronaldo in red, raise your hand. If you have no idea who either of these guys are, raise your hand. Okay, you actually win. Congratulations. All right, last one, last one. Which superhero is the greatest of all time? We got Batman, raise your hand. Oh, oh, that guy's dressed as Batman. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. And we got Superman. Is he my dress as Superman in here? Yeah, I didn't think so. So Batman obviously wins. There you go. <laughs> Greatest of all time. You know, when it comes to the kingdom of God, God has different standards of how to be the greatest. Mark chapter 10, Jesus says, in this world, people are going to try to rise up as the greatest. And honestly, it's not much different than the world we live in today, is it? I mean, we're constantly trying to prove how great we are compared to other people. That's why we'll buy nice shoes so that we can show off that, well, we got style, we got money, we can match, whatever we want to show off. It's why we buy nice shoes cars or big trucks or loud vehicles of some kind because man if people could just see me in it they would think they would think I'm all that that I have my life together you know my favorite greatest feature is is whenever people go on vacation right I love it when Vero Beach people go on vacation and they post a picture of them at the beach somewhere it's like you realize you live at the beach. Anyway, so there'll be, you know what picture I'm talking about, right? There's a beach in the background. You got like their tan knees, like cut off right here. And they're reading a book and they take a picture, hashtag so blessed, right? And it always cracks me up when I see pictures like that because the book is like already a quarter of the way read by where they're flipped, but it's like day one of vacation. And I'm like, are you actually reading that book right now? Or was this just so you can try to show everybody you are the greatest. You go on really great vacations. We try to be great. Jesus says in Mark 10, though, not so with you. That's not the game you're playing. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your your servant. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served. He had every right to be, but he 
didn't come for that reason, but rather to serve and to give his life for the ransom of many. You see, in the kingdom of God, greatness is found in service, not status. Greatness is found in service, not status. I want you to write this down. It's impossible for you to love Jesus without serving people. It is impossible for you to claim you love Jesus if you are not actively serving people. I want to show you why that's true, and I'm going to show you through one of the most powerful stories that we have of Jesus. It's one that you're fairly familiar with, one that all of us are familiar with, most likely of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. But in that short story, in fact, in two small verses, Jesus is going to reveal to us the greatness code. Sorry, we'll get the, that verse here in a second. He's going to reveal to us the greatness code. What will it take for you to be great? Seven acts of service in two simple verses. It's one of my favorite, and I'm glad that we get to study it. It is in John chapter 13. If you want to flip your Bibles there, we're just going to be in a couple of verses, but I want to set the context in verse, in chap, sorry, verse 1 of chapter 13. Our young adults, we just finished our, our study for 2023. We've been working our way through John. For the past four months, we've been reading through John. We only made it to chapter 8, not because we're slow readers, but because we're reading it slowly, right? And so we love John, and we love the things we're learning or that we learned in John, and I hope you'll learn to love it too. Here in this context, Jesus is having a meal. In fact, John says it was just before this Passover festival. And Jesus knew that his hour had, had come for him to leave this world and to go to his Father. John's all about time. And Jesus' time is coming. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. <clears throat> To fit us within this story, at this moment that we're reading this, John, or Jesus, only has a few hours to live. In fact, Jesus knows he only has a few hours to live. Jesus knows this will likely be the last night that he will breathe air as a human being in this life. He knows that the cross is on the horizon. He knows the pain that is waiting for him hours away. So what does he do? How does Jesus decide to spend the last hours of his life? He doesn't go on vacation. He doesn't go on a massive spinning spree. He doesn't go skydiving and mountain rocking climbing in 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. Few people got that. My Texas people got that, of course. <laughs> no, Jesus chose to spend his final hours with his closest friends, tucked away in a room, enjoying a meal. And John tells us that in that moment, Jesus loved them to the end. That word there, to the end, is eistelios. Everybody say eistelios. Eistelios. It's Greek, to the end. It means to the fullest extent. It means to the uttermost, meaning Jesus didn't just love them to the end of his life, though that is true, but what it's saying here is that his love for them had no end. Imagine imaginary line, and the disciples crossed that line, Jesus' love for them would not end. 
There is not an end point. There are no boundaries to Jesus' love for his disciples. But words without actions are useless. You can say it all you want, but show me in your actions and what you do what you actually believe. You see, John doesn't just state Jesus' love for his disciples. He's going to show us. In fact, Jesus is going to show us in the most personal and powerful way through his service towards his friends. Verse 4. This is, where, this is our two verses. where we're going to spend the rest of our morning right here. So Jesus, he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing. He wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Seven acts of service in these two small verses. This right here is the greatness code. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, these two verses need to be highlighted and underlined in your Bible. You need to write the greatness code next to them. You need to memorize these verses and these seven things that Jesus does. Listed out right here. He gets up. He takes off his outer clothing. He wraps a towel around his waist. He pours water into a basin, he kneels down, he washes his disciples' feet, and he dries their feet with a towel. We're going to quickly go through these. Let's start with that first one. The first one I want you to notice is that he gets up. Jesus gets up from the meal. Why was Jesus down? Where was he in this moment? Well, he was at a table that's called a trichilium. This is how ancients ate back then. They would put their tables in a U-shape like this, trichilium, so tri, three sides. The food would be in the middle, their feet would be towards the outside. Notice how they're intertwined. They're sometimes overlapping with each other, lounging and laying. Very strange for us, but very normal for them. Meals mattered. Who you ate with mattered. It was a personal connection. And Jesus is lounging. He is eating with his disciples, and he gets up. He moves out of the lying position because while they're eating, Jesus notices something. Dirty feet. You can see their feet are out in the open. So he notices dirty feet, and he gets up. I thought about this as I was preparing and reading through this lesson, and I thought about all of the greatest moments of my life. Very few of them involved me sitting down. I wasn't sitting down whenever I was born, wasn't sitting down whenever I took my first step, or whenever I learned to ride my bike for the first time and I cheered. I wasn't sitting down whenever I walked across the stage with my master's degree. I wasn't sitting down whenever I asked Darian to go on a date with me for the first time. I wasn't sitting down whenever I got on my knee and proposed. I wasn't sitting down when I stood at an altar and asked her and said, I do. I wasn't sitting down whenever our first born son was born. I wasn't sitting down whenever our second son was born. I wasn't sitting down when either of them took their first steps, and I'm not sitting down right now as I'm preaching God's word to you. Some of the greatest moments of your life will happen on your feet or on your knees. They won't happen with you sitting down. Jesus' example of service involves him getting up, getting up from the TV, because Sunday night TV or Great British Baking Show, your greatest moments won't be found there. 
Your greatest moments won't be found scrolling through your phone. I promise you, getting up, you will live a life that matters, so get up. I promise you, you will make a difference that matters if you get up, so we got to get up. Jesus noticed dirty feet, and he could have kept lounging. He could have gotten comfortable. He could have said, these are the last hours of my life. Somebody else can do it. But Jesus got up. Jesus got up, and he took off his outer clothing. Do you notice that? He took off his outer clothing, and then he puts on a towel. To put this in modern context, it would look a lot like this. It'd be like coming home from Sunday church, your Sunday best, maybe from the office, and you take off your, your business attire, you're done for the day. You've impressed the people you need to impress. You've done the things that you need to do. You've been out in the world. Now it's time to come home, maybe to cook a meal for your family. So you put on your attire to serve. Maybe for you, it's whenever you get home, you notice your neighbor has some hedges that are outgrown or some, some leaves in the gutter or a lawn that's overdone, and so you put on your work boots and your jeans. Maybe if you're like me, whenever you get home, you take off your nice shirt and you put on your nasty shirt because you know your babies are going to be drooling and snotting all over you. But Jesus, notice, he takes off the outer clothing, revealing what's on the inside. For Jesus, it's humility, the Son of God putting on his servant apron to serve those he's with. But I wonder if we were to take off the outer clothing, the facade that we wear, the jacket that we carry with us, what would people see? What would people see in you? I have a feeling if, if I took off my facade, people would see, Peyton, what are you really doing those things for? You doing them for yourself? Or are you actually doing, how are you spending your time? Do you care more about what you get done or do you care more about the people you're with? If people saw the outer clothing taken off, what would they see in you? Maybe arrogance or pride? Self-importance or selfishness, seeking status? What are you putting back on? as you go to look to serve. I've learned that God doesn't just care about what you do. He cares about the way that you do it. Like, you can do the right things and have the wrong motives. You can do the right things and it still be wrong because your heart, your mind is not actually in it. So in humility, Jesus puts off, takes off his work clothes, puts on his serving clothes, and then he prepares a meal. I'm sorry, he prepares a service. He prepares a basin with water. There's not water in here. <laughs> Pours a basin and water, and he starts making his way around the table to serve his disciples. You know, it's impossible to completely describe how jolting, how shocking, how unexpected it was to the disciples that Jesus, the Son of God, knelt down at their feet and began washing them. To give you some context of what is happening here, the disciples have gathered together for the Passover festival. Now, you're not Jewish, so you may not know exactly the significance of that, that, that meal, that Passover meal. It's a time when Jews would gather together and talk about God's faithfulness. 
to talk about God's righteousness, to talk about God's goodness, about all of the ways God has provided for them. So the disciples are gathered around, supposed to be having a conversation about how good God has been to them. Instead, they're talking about how great they are. Luke gives us a little bit into this, that at this Passover meal, the disciples are fighting. They're arguing about who is the goat, the greatest of all time. Now, we don't know this exactly what they were saying. I'm reading a little bit into the story. I imagine, though, John is at that table. And in John's gospel, he likes to say that he's the one that Jesus loved the most. He does a little subtle sly. So I imagine he's at that table saying, well, you know, I'm most likely Jesus's best friend. So, I mean, he probably, I mean, I'm probably going to be a little higher than you guys. Peter is probably there and they're like, well, John, did you get out of the boat? Because last time I remember that story, you were in the boat and I took a step out. I sunk a little bit, but that's beside the point. I was out of the boat. Maybe Bartholomew's there and is like, well, I know it's not me because no one even remembers that I'm a disciple. So it's definitely not me, but you guys just keep going for it. And while they're arguing about who is the greatest among them, Jesus looks up. And he sees two things. He sees proud hearts, and he sees dirty feet. And what does Jesus do? He saw a need. Wash feet? I could do that. You know what? That one's mine. I'll take care of that. And he gets up, and he takes his instruments, Whoever's sitting in this chair, don't know who it is for you. For Jesus, it was his disciples. And he kneels down, and he just starts washing. The Son of God, the living water, the good shepherd, the true vine, the bread of life, the light of the world, the living stone, the king of glory, the prince of peace, the great high priest, the righteous judge, the chosen one, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, Alpha and Omega, our redeemer, our rock, our sanctification, all of our righteousness, kneels down and washes dirty feet. Why does he do it? It's because Jesus shows his love has no end. There is no end to it. No matter what boundary we may cross, no matter who might be sitting in that chair, there is no limit to God's love. You know, this raises a question for me. And by, as I'm reading this story, is why didn't any of the other disciples take up the task of washing feet? Why do we not have a moment in this story, before the meal even begins, that any of the disciples said, hey, Jesus, let me wash your feet. Because this is a normal practice. It's not out of the normal to wash feet. They've had their feet washed maybe their whole life, or at least they know the custom. Why did they not even think about washing Jesus' feet? Because if they washed Jesus' feet, they would have to offer to wash everybody else's too. And that would be humiliating. I mean, that's a servant's job. 
His disciples were too proud, too proud to serve one another. Aren't you glad we're not like that? Why are you laughing? Aren't you glad we're not too proud to serve one another? (laughs) Yeah, the problem is, is that in our pride, we often criticize those with dirty feet instead of washing them. I wonder if that's what God sees. I wonder if that's similar in our churches today. You know, I believe that there are some of you here today that hands down would wash Jesus' feet. You've accepted Jesus. You're ready to serve Jesus. You're ready to bow down at his feet and wash them at any moment. I believe that with all of my heart, that this church loves Jesus. Yet, I also believe there might be some people in here who are too proud to wash somebody else's feet. Maybe the person sitting next to you, in front of you, behind you, the person that works in the cubicle next to you, the neighbors who have chosen a different lifestyle than you, your kids who have all but rejected Jesus. Who is the greatest? Well, the greatest isn't about status. It's about service. And you can't love Jesus without serving people. You want to know who I'm grateful for? I'm grateful for our praise team. They put in a lot of work behind the scenes. You'll never see it. The hours they put into learning new songs. Every week they're here, midweek, to learn, to sing together, to prepare. They're here early Sunday morning. All of them, even if they're not on mic, they're here serving. All so that you can barely know that they're here while we worship together, but they do it. That's theirs. You know who I love? I love, I love watching Megan Dean, one of our young adults, our newest members. She sees a need in the nursery. She sees babies all around. She says, you know what? I may not be qualified. I may not have the true experience of leading something like this, but I see a need. I can do that. You know who I love? I love Bob and Sandy and Deb and Carol and a lot of the other older folks that yesterday were out in the middle of the day, in the middle of the heat, serving the pumpkin patch. That's not even for our church. That's for an organization. And they could easily say, it's too hot. Ah, it's not worth it. Oh, the young people can do it. They said, you know what? I can sit and hand out tickets. I can smile and be the light of Jesus. You know what? That one's mine. I can do that. So if you want to be great, look for a need. What's a need around you? Maybe it is a neighbor who, or a friend that needs to move. And you think, you know what? I have a strong back. I can give up an hour or two on Saturday. I can turn off the sports game just for a little bit because my friend needs help or my neighbor needs help. I can do it. You know what? That one's mine. I can do that one. Maybe it's in our youth group. We have a rising group of young people who just need to know Jesus, who just need a mentor, who just need somebody to listen, to take them out to lunch. You may say, you know what? I have an hour on Wednesday evening. I can take a drive up here for a little bit and hang out with teens. I could learn a name. You know what? That one's mine. I can do that one. Maybe it's with our nursery or our children's program who are, we're in need of teachers, we're in need of attendance for 
the nursery with all these little babies around, you might think, you know what? I can change a diaper. I can wipe a butt for the glory of Jesus. I can do that. That one's mine. I can do that. Because the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, greatness is not about status. It's about service. It's impossible to love Jesus and not serve people. And I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for all of you. I see many of you working and doing things beyond, outside of your comfort zone, using your gifts, and this church does a lot. For our size, we bless this community in a powerful way. And not just this community, we're blessing communities literally on the other side of the world, just from this little body of Christ here. But here's what I want you to know. If you are here, if you are a part of this church, if you are a member at the Vero Beach Church of Christ, a part of this body, you matter. Every single body matters. Every single part of the body matters. You are making a difference. That's why we say we care for you, we count on you, because that count on you is absolutely true. What we do and the impact and the reach of our arms is only possible through you and what you are able to do here. And if you're not serving, if you're not using your spiritual gifts in the church, then something God wants to be done is not being done. Something is not happening. A need that God wants to be met is not being met because your gift, your usage is inactive. I try to think of the excuses that Jesus could have made. He could have said, like, listen, guys, it's the last hour. Like, I'm, I'm almost done here. I'm tired. I have a lot on my mind. You know what? I'm going to sit this one out. One of you guys can wash feet. I'm just going to try to enjoy my last meal. You know, Jesus could have seen all of those dirty feet and all of those proud hearts and said, these guys don't deserve it. I've literally been walking with them for three years, and they're bickering about who's the greatest. I'm literally about to give my life, and they can't even pass the coleslaw without talking about who's, more, who's better than the other. He could, have, he could have looked and said, Judas is here. This guy's literally going to betray me, hand me over to be killed. Why would I wash that guy's feet? Because his love had no end. Because Jesus served anyways. And let me shoot you straight. And this is us laying in the plane here. Some people are going to take you for granted. Serve them anyways. Some people are going to expect it from you. Serve anyways. Some people will never fully appreciate the things that you do. Some people may never even know or see what you do. Serve anyways. Why? Because when Jesus looked up from that table, he saw a bunch of proud hearts and a bunch of dirty feet. And when Jesus looked at me, he saw a really proud heart and really dirty feet. And I imagine you could probably say the same for you. And at one time, we were sitting in that chair. And with your love and your service, somebody you know, your neighbor, your coworker, your child, they could be sitting in that chair. 
as you kneel down to serve them. If you see a need, think to yourself, that one's mine. Greatness in the kingdom of God isn't about status, it's about serving, and it's impossible to love Jesus and not serve people. That is the greatness code. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the example that you have given us of your love. An example that's not in words alone, but in the fulfillment of those words and in your actions and what you did and what you continue to do. Father, we have all sat in this chair, this chair of shame, of filthiness, of proud hearts and dirty feet. And Father, while the proud hearts may remain and may stick with us, you have made our feet clean. You have knelt before us as the great I am, and you completely emptied yourself. So Father, let us be humbled. Let us be humbled as we stare at the future of this church, at the impact this church is going to have in the community, in the world, as we stare the next 75 years face on. Father God, if we want to be great, not for the world, but for your kingdom, help us get up. Remove that outer clothing that facade that we wear out in the world to clothe ourselves in our service garments, to prepare our service to kneel down and to empty ourselves. Father, then and only then will we be great in your kingdom. God, thank you for the church. Thank you for this church and this body of Christ. I pray for all of us that you will protect us and guide us, give us clarity and wisdom as we navigate this world, as we navigate our pains, and as we seek to empty ourselves for the glory of you. We say this in the name of our Savior Jesus. And the church said, amen.